0: Holy Spirit, Lord, we thank you that you are here, that you empower us, that you release us, and that you heal us, Father. And Lord, as I prepare to bring this message, Lord, let your servant be ready with the right words, the right heart, the right attitude to deliver what the message that you have today. So Lord, let our hearts be open to you, in Jesus' precious name, Amen. So, today is its Father's Day. My focus is going to be on the characteristics of our Heavenly Father and what we can learn from this. The main portion of Scripture I'll be looking at today is in Luke 15, the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. So, from Luke 15, from verse 11, I am reading from the Amplified. Then he said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them inappropriately said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that falls to me. So he divided the estate between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered together everything that he had and travelled to a distant country. And there he wasted his fortune in reckless and immoral living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to do without and be in need. So he went and forced himself on one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. Um, Interesting to note, this is the first time I've read that he actually forced himself on someone. Normally it says that someone sort of took pity on him and took him in. Mm. But you can see how bad this guy's situation was, that he's forced himself on someone. He would have gladly eaten the carrot pods that the pigs were eating, but they could not satisfy his hunger... And no one was giving anything to him. But when he finally came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough food while I am dying here of hunger? I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just treat me like one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and was moved with compassion for him, and ran and embraced him, and kissed him. Oops, sorry. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quickly bring out the best robe for the guest of honor, and put it on him, and give him a ring for his hand and sandals for his feet. And bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. And let us invite everyone and feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was as good as dead and is alive again. He was lost and has been found. So they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And when he returned and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants and began asking what this celebration meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But the elder brother became angry and deeply resentful and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he said to his father, look, these many years I have served you and I have never neglected or disobeyed your command. Yet you have have never given me so much as a young goat, so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this other son of yours arrived and has devoured your estate with immoral women, you slaughtered that fat and calf for him. The father said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But it was fitting to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was as good as dead and has begun to live. He was lost and has been found. This is a well-known portion of scripture, and the focus is normally on the wayward son who returns back after being in the world. But today, what I would like you to take notice of is how his father behaves in this parable. Here we see ten key aspects to comparing our story of the faithful father and the prodigal son. So look at the father's side. He was respectful. Both sons were disrespectful to him, if you noticed. Mm -hmm. first son right from the outset second son at the end father was patient he had to be patient with both of them guys but the prodigal son was impatient he just wanted to go out there and see the world father was faithful he wasn't going to stop praying to God or trusting God unfortunately the prodigal son didn't have that same faith and he squandered father was loving because he still released his younger son didn't have to but he did while his prodigal son was very selfish the father was compassionate while the prodigal son was for me quite ignorant and had a very bad attitude the father was humble while the prodigal was arrogant he was wise and mature the prodigal foolish and immature but we might say that comes from experience yeah some of it and the prodigal was definitely inexperienced he didn't have a clue but the latest one, the last one, he was very forgiving. Well, the prodigal understood that towards the end. But surprisingly, it's the older son who starts to be resentful and bitter at the end. But the father was still forgiving. So we see the father is very patient, kind and compassionate. And he's just being following the way God wants us to be. Psalm 103 says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. He shows himself to be a wise leader and hopeful as he waits for his son's return. And he was awaiting his son's return. He didn't just go about his business. He was still alert enough to see that his son was coming from a far way off. So he must have been checking. But most importantly, he didn't write off the son because he hoped for his restoration. He showed humility, as he did not rebuke the wayward son for asking for his inheritance early, although he was well within his rights to. He could have really had a go at his younger son for asking. In that day in culture, that was a great insult. That meant, I want my father dead. Now, who wants to, you know, if your child comes to you and says, Dad, I want you dead because I want your insurance. (laughs) It's not exactly the the way to go, is it? No. Um, but the father wants him to learn about life in his own way. He also shows patience with the older son when he shows no compassion for his brother's return. God does the same with us, watching us as we go out into the world. The big difference being, God and the, the big difference between the, between God and the prodigal father's son. Prodigal son's father. Sorry, I've got the tongue tie here. <laughs> is God goes into the world with us and still tries to guide us. It confirms to us that it's not good for anyone to receive a great inheritance in anything without God's wisdom and guiding to help us manage it. Without God's guidance, the outcome will always be that what was gained will be squandered. Mm -hmm. When we, like the prodigal son, walk away from our Heavenly Father and His love and guidance, it never goes well for us. But when we repent and turn from our wayward ways, we learn... God's way is the only way the prodigals father realizes that the son is putting more faith and focus in what he feels he does not have and what he is missing out on and cannot see or appreciate how blessed he truly is maturity and experience will normally treat, teach us that what we have taught by what we were been taught by our parents was for our benefit and done in love to spare us from the mistakes or pitfalls we face in life and let me just caveat that some of us may not have had perfect parents some of us may not have had good parents but if they wanted the best for you they did it out of love mm-hmm. amen mm-hmm. so if their outcome was that they wanted to put do the best for you that they could that's what they were trying to do and then sometimes I look back and I see remember clashes with my dad and it's a bit of a deja vu when I have the same with my son yeah. mm-hmm. and you get a bit of a reality check then yeah. Yeah? yeah so don't be too hard on your parents sometimes they did their best for what they could do at, what they had in their hands uh, maturity and, yeah, maturity and experience will normally teach us that what we have been taught by our parents was for our benefit and done in love yeah The prodigal's father entrusted his son into God's hands to look after him and to bring him home safely. God never plays favourites. He loves all his children equally, but some bring more pleasure than others. Most importantly, he treats all his children fairly and does not hold their sins against them. The prodigal father did the same. He did not favour one son over the other, but appreciated the restoration of the lost son from worldly desires and appreciated the faithfulness of the loyal son reaffirming all he had would be his at some point. Before the prodigal son had properly apologised for his behaviour, the father had restored him in his position as his son and heir. He, like our Heavenly Father, has forgotten his trespasses and sins. The criminal who was crucified beside Jesus, who repented, was forgiven his sins at the cross before dying. Jesus saw his faith, forgave him, and confirmed his invitation to join him in heaven. A criminal in his natural life, but a child of God at the end of his life. His old life behind him, but new life in the presence of God ahead of him. Our Heavenly Father sent his son to proclaim this good news and invite many more people into his ever-growing family and kingdom. Even Adam and Jesus parallel the two sons in the prodigal son's story. Both are called Adam for different reasons. The first Adam was created by God, but sinned. The second Adam, the son of man, Jesus, put right what the first Adam had caused to go wrong from the fall. One wayward, the Adam at creation, the other Jesus, faithful and obedient to the father. The key difference being, Jesus is pleased for us to come back to the father. While the prodigal's brother was not happy at the frivolous nature of his brother or his return to his family. But his gracious father showed him the error of his thinking. With Jesus, we are assured he came to heal us and make us whole by bringing us back to the Father. Our Heavenly Father is pleased to give his children his kingdom. The prodigal son on his son's return, no, the prodigal father on his son's return just wanted to share what he had with his son. What was lost was of no account. He needed to show his son he was still loved and a part of his family. So, what attributes should a godly father try to exhibit? As fathers, every day we need to rely on God's strength. We need to because it's his strength in us that will keep us strong for our families. This strength is not a physical strength, although we may be called to defend our families physically, but it's an inner strength. It's to be at peace when situations are bad, it's to be responsible and kind. And to be a resolver of issues, not a cause of them. Amen. Ephesians 6.4 Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Amen. Men, we are warned not to exasperate our children. With terms like, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> or, the foot is going down. The foot is down. Now, I can't tell you where that phrase came from. And I can't see the difference between this and this. But one has more authority than the other. I don't know. But that doesn't work with these young kids nowadays. So don't even try it. I know in my early years of fatherhood, I thought shouting or being angry was a way to express authority. But as the Bible says and warns, these only aggravate people and situations. What God has taught me is that he is now looking for physically strong men to build his kingdom but men who are strong in heart and have a big heart for him there is one muscle in our whole body that God wants us to make stronger over everything else it is our hearts he wants to go all Mr. Motivator on that muscle and will put us through some serious workouts to build that muscle up yeah that's Mr. Motivator back from the 80s or 90s don't know. More and more the Bible, films, books, all point to this very important part of the body. God does not neglect it, neither should we. A godly father will imitate or emulate God. God is a worker. He's not lazy, but he's strong and reliable. He is someone you can count on, especially when the chips are down and your back is to the wall. He keeps all his promises and a godly father takes responsibility for his and others' actions. The godly father also allows himself to be known by his family and gets involved with them. Many dads miss this due to the business of life or work commitments, like multiple jobs, working nights, or shifts. Some were not shown by their own fathers and so do not interact or allow their families to know or even love them. These fathers were the unseen parent who were hopefully saw at special occasions. Some fathers are famous for organising family trips seen the uh, National Lampoon vacation films? Yeah? Yeah, Madness. But it's the extreme to that situation. It is what they put in the pot as their contribution to the family. Some perform this like a military exercise with project plans and timings. This is good and works for some. But for me, a godly father gets involved with day-to-day activities, engaging with their children. I know Perish the thought a conversation with our very vocal or not so vocal teenager using a language we don't know. But persevere it is worth the effort. It is true. I talk to Sam sometimes and he's coming out with words like blood and sick and I think, does he need a doctor? Okay. As far as we learn, we have to give everything we've got to ensure the future of our children. Mothers, I appreciate you do this also. But as it's Father's Day, my focus is Father's here. So we sacrifice our time at work, but we also must make the effort to make quality time for our kids because we're building memories and moments they will have throughout their lives. And this is going to be the building blocks for how they will bring up their children. An all-in father will normally produce all-in children. When I say all in, I mean full on, you know, they've given everything. Doesn't that sound like us church? God was definitely all in when he sent his son to save us and provide the only way to salvation. And as Pastor David's been showing about these past few weeks, the heroes of faith in Hebrews were all in children of God. (coughs) Fathers, we need to be enthusiastic. Now I mean I didn't plan for Linda to give talk those things about what the children were saying. That is typical, isn't it? Mm. I know me once. Sometimes I come in. First thing I want to do is just sit down and. Sh- <laughs> and uh, didn't do that so much with Sam, but with the grandchildren, you, you can't. They don't. You're not allowed to shut your eyes um, when when you've got grandchildren. But definitely, th- these moments are precious, and we only get them once. Um, we definitely have to use them wisely. But we have to be enthusiastic with our own children. Remember, enthusiasm rubs off, and people can and will be drawn to it. Fathers are normally put forward as a general knowledge guru in the household. If you have a question or want a view on something, then you go and ask Dad or even Granddad if you have one. Some fathers like to know as much as they can on everything they can. This is a very useful life skill because you can begin and hold a conversation with most people if you have a common ground or interest. See, ladies, we don't just talk about football. <laughs> Again, our Heavenly Father loves it when we speak, when we seek to learn more, not just about the diverse and varied aspects of life and people, but also more about God himself, who he is, what he has done, is doing, and will do in the future. He is all wise and all knowledgeable, and he knows the answer to every question we could ever think of. But like some human dads, he will pick the right moment to share them. As fathers, we want our children to know more than we did so they can survive in this world. I don't have an issue if my son knows more than me. Bless him if he does. He's going to need it. This world is getting shrewder and tighter. and There's no words that can describe it. So they have to be. And if you notice, they're getting sharper from the time they come out of the womb now. They wanted to walk faster, talk faster, ride a bike faster, get an iPad faster, you know? My days, anyway. a wise right, father teaches his kids when, while he spends time with them. Sharing his interest, but also teaching his children about life and the world. This is an important bonding time for a father and his children and should not be neglected. Our Heavenly Father also craves these intimate moments with us to share and learn from him and how much he loves us. Godly parents desire their children to walk in the truth and righteousness of God. When Sam, my son, was younger, my chief concern was providing for him and keeping him safe. As he gets older, my desire is more that he knows God for himself and gives his life to him. Why? Because there's no bigger choice he will ever face in his life but no better choice than he can make in his life. Fathers, we need to promote a godly lifestyle. Joshua for me is always the example. Joshua twenty-four fifteen. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. That, that sums it up. As fathers, it is essential for us to set an example for our children, for their own good and ours. For we do not want our children to pay for the sins we committed. Mm -hmm. Here's the warning in Exodus. From verse 6. The Lord passes before him and proclaims, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. But who will be not? By no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generations. Now, you might say, okay, that doesn't apply to me. But I will challenge you on that. Because David, the most anointed man we can see in the Bible, fell. And it was his sons that endured what his sin had come. You know? And I like you guys, have to be careful. Don't think that just because it's happened, it doesn't have an impact. It does. So it's better for you not to sin and your children don't suffer than try and sin and you think it's not going to have an impact. It does. And the outcome of allowing God to lead us in bringing up our children and following his ways are shown in Proverbs 22 verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Fathers in the main bring correction, not just with a rod, but in love. Proverbs 3. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves, and as a a father, the son in whom he delights. Fathers normally have the final say in a family dispute in the household. They are the final line of defense to keep a child from doing something they shouldn't do. Now before I'm uh, bombarded with, all right, what if you're a single parent? This, I'm, going to, I'm painting this picture in the context of husband and wife situation, okay? So I know there are single parents out there. Bless you for bringing up your children as a sole parent. But God intended it to be man and woman, yeah? So, painting the picture. Parents, we are familiar with the scenario. The child wants to do something, let's say go out with friends to a concert, but there was a sense that there's an alternative motive. Mum picks up on this and knows she she needs dad to input. So answers speak to your father when he gets in. Dad is none the wise until he gets a signal from mum such as you need to speak to your child. And Dad now realises why his child has been doing nice things for him and talking in sentences rather than making noises. (laughs) Dad then has to figure out how to say no and why his answer is no about three or four different ways before his child realises they are not going to get their own way on this occasion. I will say stress this on this occasion because those kids never give up. They'll come back with something different. They will come back. In my opinion, as fathers, we would prefer a quiet life. But when we love someone, we cannot avoid these situations or discussions. But we do learn to do them wisely, patiently, and with compassion. As we were all young once, with mad, hopping hormones, controlling our minds and our bodies. Some of these encounters will be upsetting and painful, but necessary for the welfare of your child when done right. It will be one of the key situations that you will cry to the Lord either, Please give me strength, which is the short version, or the long version, Please give me strength, Lord, for this child, as I'm not going to prison for them tonight. (laughs) (laughs) But be encouraged. God speaks about this in Hebrews 12, 11. Now, discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. A father is willing to carry and bear the weight of a burden, All responsibility when others are not in a position to. Deuteronomy 1, from verse 29. Then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you, as a man carries his son, all the way that you went until you came to this place. godly father values his family and appreciates them and sees how God values them. Psalm 127 says, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. There is an old cliche that children, especially sons, all need or desire approval from their father, that they require to know their father is proud of them. I feel this is a God given desire, that we all require to feel God's pleasure with us. Especially his pride in us. God was very clear and purposeful in showing those around Jesus that he was proud of his son. He confirmed it to many onlookers at Jesus' baptism and again to a chosen few at Jesus' transfiguration. I believe for fathers, it is a God given privilege to affirm our children, to let them know we love them and we are proud of them and their achievements. God was affirming Jesus at his baptism for what he had endured up to this point in his life. He had faced being brought up as a human man, not falling into sin at all, which is no mean feat in itself. So you've got to remember, it's 30 years up to the point of the baptism. So Jesus has gone through teens and through significant periods of manhood and not sinned once. I get up in the morning and I chop a clangor. But Jesus didn't do anything for thirty years. That is a significant achievement. So his father is being purposeful in referring him at his baptism. Jesus had been putting up with human sin and our failings and not striking us down with disgust. If we remember also, he's still divine, he's still God. He's still buttoned up against sin. Our Heavenly Father accepts all his children. He loves them equally and never stops loving us. Sadly, in this world, there are children not accepted by their parents, for one reason or another, good and bad. Mm. Jesus encourages young children to come to him as they were best placed to accept and receive God's kingdom. Our Heavenly Father does not want to see any of his creation face separation from him. But if we choose to live a life separate from his love and life-giving spirit, we will face the life of eternity without his presence. At the moment, everyone, good and bad, enjoys the provision and faithfulness of God to provide light from the sun and life from the planet's resources. But when Jesus comes back, the very presence of God will fully provide us with light and life, while those who reject his love face separation from this. Jesus warns us of this in his story about Lazarus and the poor man. We must remember that God is a heavenly father to the homeless, the widows, and the orphans. A godly father provides a feeling of security. A feeling of security that you feel, such as when parents are watching over their kids as they play. When parents are present at school, after school, to pick up their child. Or supporting at events. Or knowing someone is there to protect you from the boogeyman. How many conversations you had with the younger kids? Don't worry, there's nothing in that cupboard. There's nothing in that coming. But they hear these stories at school, oh, the boogeyman's going to get you, and they come home. But that's what a parent is there for, to reassure, to give them that security. Holding your child's bike while they're learning to ride and gain confidence to do it on their own. When children are secure, they are happy in themselves. But more importantly, they're likely to try things they might not normally do. Our Heavenly Father provides us with security. Of his very presence and his hand at work in our different situations. He plans and makes provision for those under his care or influence. He tells us to keep, the, to keep the vulnerable and the needy in our thoughts and to provide for their needs. Look carefully at the Ten Commandments and the laws God gave in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and you will see God has concern for everyone's needs and welfare. No gender is better than any other in value in God's eyes. Many use the term our better half to refer to our wives. But God made us as we are to fulfill different roles that best suit us. Both the man and the woman have to produce a key element for there to be a creation of new life. That's the most politically correct way I can say of (laughs) what happens there. It is the whole we make as man and wife, woman and husband, that creates one of the strongest unions next to the Holy Trinity on this planet. Don't allow yourself to waste time bickering about who is better or should be submissive to who. Our main focus should be to progress and increase God's kingdom with all our strength, with all our mind and all our soul. So as fathers, we must take different approaches with our sons and daughters. How we speak and interact with them. But it should not be the child's gender that determines our approach. It should be their character that determines it. So in my opinion, the basics every child needs are love. Patience, kindness, strength, security, confidence, and identity. Just to to point out about the character. Sometimes there's, again, it's all cliches. That they say, oh, daughters are the apple of dad's eye. And yes, they are. And the daughter can get around the dad and, you know, (laughs) sit on the nap and say, oh, daddy, look up in his eyes. You know. And just before she says can I have the to kiss you jag <laughs> cliche you have to deal with the child the individual some will be angelic as some like to say some won't be as angelic and you will have to guide them differently look at the prodigal son's father Treated both brothers equally despite their characters and was quick to reaffirm both when they felt despondent for their different reasons. A shy child is not going to respond well to shouting or being put on the spot. Wayward children need patience and love on both sides to be shown. They have to know they're being loved and they've got to reassure to you they love you. Loud or confident children just need to know no matter how much they talk, you will always be there for them. Our Heavenly Father is Father to all, Jew and Gentile alike, from generation to generation, to all who accept his offer of life in him and through him, now through his Son, Jesus Christ. So what is a good Father? We were singing about that earlier. Once we know Jesus Christ as Lord Saviour and the Holy Father through him, we know there is only one truly good Father, God Almighty himself. We must emulate him through Jesus. So, what can we do for our fathers today? This applies both to the Holy Father, the Heavenly Father, and us mortals here on earth, who are fathers. For me, I summed it up in three sort of drop down there. But fathers need love, love, love. Remember to hug your dad today, if you can. I know some of us our dads aren't here anymore. But if you can, hug him while he's here. Show him that you love him. Fathers do need appreciation. Both parents work hard. You can see mum's love when you pick up your sandwiches or your bed is made. But don't forget your Wi-Fi signal doesn't appear by itself. And the roof of your head someone has to pay for. Children, please remember the bank of dad is not open 24 hours. And cash withdrawals are restricted to certain amounts, like ten pound and hundred pounds if it's an emergency. But definitely not tens of thousands. And there will be severe penalties for abuse of the bank's goodwill. And finally, fathers need validation. So I'm too quick. Even Jesus was affirmed by the Heavenly Father. Let them know they're doing a good job if they are. There have been many moments when I felt pride in being a father, but I feel my greatest pride when my—I I feel I will feel my greatest pride when my son accepts Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. Then I know God, the Heavenly Father, who has always looked after him, will keep him even when I'm gone. But Sam will develop a deeper relationship with the Savior, and know Him better and the love of our Heavenly Father. This is my prayer for him, and one we could. All save for our children. Deuteronomy 6 from verse 2 and then 5 and 7. That you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son, and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So as we bring this to a close, for me, the key attributes we should keep and aspire to shown every day by our Heavenly Father are He's a creator. He loves us and shows us how to love Him and others. He's a teacher and He disciplines us. He sets the example for us And provides a perfect form of security. He sets the tone of a household. And he provides many things for us. But more importantly, he is complicated, he is mysterious. But he's very eager to be found and known by his children. Here's a quote from Nikki Gumbel about how good our Heavenly Father is. It's not come out very well, so I'll read it to you. God is such a parent. His faithfulness is without question. His generosity is perfect. His affection is tender and loving. His presence is permanent. His acceptance of you is unconditional. His communication is upbuilding and for your best interest. His authority is right and true. So, as we all pay our appreciations to our fathers, those with us, and those who have passed on, let us also remember our great Heavenly Father who continually cares and watches over us as no other Father can. Amen. So, I'll probably say the prayer after uh, after communion. So, have we got four volunteers that would uh, help with the serving?